Good morning and welcome to the Hub City Church. We're so glad you decided to worship with us this morning. As the Hub City Church, we exist to make disciples who believe the gospel, abide in Christ, and obey the word of God. If you'd like to hear more about our vision, get plugged into serving, or learn how you can get connected through community groups and men's and women's ministries, you can visit our website, thehubcitychurch.org, or just text the word Hub City to 97000, and we'll follow up with you in the next few days. If you've been considering making the Hub City Church your church home, please join us directly after service on Sunday, February 18th for a membership class that will cover our vision, mission, values, and structure, as well as your next steps for making it official. The Lord has been so faithful in continuing to grow our church body. To help accommodate those looking for seating, it would be super helpful to keep in seats open so our ushers are able to easily find seats for those coming into the service. As always, kids are welcome in service and we have coloring sheets available in the back for them. We also have a nursing mother's room with our service streaming live just outside the lobby to the left. Again, we're so glad you're here. Let's worship Jesus together. As always, the first thing is uh, our uh, 2024 vision meeting went great last week. Thanks to all who uh, came out for that and just heard about the uh, different aspects of our focus this year together as the body of Christ. Uh, one really important thing is that we did uh, make an elder nomination. Uh, Matt Davidson is our next uh, nominee for eldership here, and uh, I, we are really excited about that. Matt is our student leader, uh, has been for some time, uh, and uh, we believe he's qualified based on uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, so anyway, so we put him forward and we prayed for him, and uh, we hope that you guys are as excited about that as, as we are. We love Matt. We love uh, his family. Also, he's uh, married to Dallas, so that's really awesome. That's good for him. That's a that's a help. That's a yeah. That's a that's another check check in the pro column there. So, um, but hey, seriously, uh, if you have any questions about that for myself or um, Jason Co. or or just Matt himself, if you don't know Matt and you'd like to get to know him, and so you can make an informed decision over the next, uh, or we'll probably take a vote in about a, about a month's time. But if you'd like to get to know him a little bit better, we encourage you to do that. Uh, Matt is open to that uh, as well, so please reach out, and we'd love to answer any questions you might have. The next thing is, um, next Sunday, uh, if you volunteer on any team across the board here at the Hub City Church, we are going to have a, a volunteer appreciation Sunday, uh, just because we love you, and we appreciate you, appreciate all that you do to make uh, all of our teams work so well and do all the things that they need to do, uh, and so no... Uh, no one gift, no one-time gift can fully express that, but uh, we have to express our gratitude somehow. So uh, it'll be with some kind of Hub City Church branded 
thing. So, uh, so we love you, and uh, we'll give and maybe donuts too. So make sure you show up next week for those things, so we can honor you uh, if you serve on any of our teams. Uh, the the next thing is we do have also next week. Uh, a membership class. So if you have been uh, patiently waiting to figure out how you can make the Hub City Church your church home, uh, next Sunday is your, your day. So we'll, we'll roll through it just directly after service. Just hang around uh, and we will roll through uh, our, vis- our mission, vision, values, structure, uh, have a time for Q&A. If you have questions about different things, that'll be the time for us to answer those things for you. Uh, and then we, um, we always do a membership interview with any of our new members. And so uh, you'll sign up for a date to have an interview uh, with me or, or Jason, and that'll be, that'll be the process. So you can make it official. So we invite you to come and be a part of that if you like. And the, uh, the last announcement is that this is our final week uh, in our current series. Next week, we will be uh, starting in 1 John. Uh, we'll be going through 1 John expositionally. That is how we spend the majority of our time. If you're wondering, uh, as a church on Sunday mornings, uh, preaching through God's Word, we do so expositionally through entire books of the Bible. Uh, so we're ready to get to that next week. But today, uh, we are wrapping up our first series of the year uh, that is titled Therefore. Uh, we've spent six weeks detailing uh, what we as a church call our missional measures. These are essentially six things we think uh, that gospel-centered disciples will do as they participate in the life of their church. So uh, to be clear, this is not a big exercise in ego for us as the Hub City Church. We think that scripture backs these things up and thus that they are transferable, okay? Like even if this is not your church, you're just uh, visiting or you're, you know, you're church hopping and this is not the church that you ultimately choose, uh, or if you, if you move in six months and you have to find a new church, all of these things that we have talked about, uh, committing to meet regularly in biblical community, serving your church family consistently, giving cheerfully and regularly to the mission of the church, engaging in ongoing opportunities for spiritual growth and leading your family to love and follow Jesus. I'm confident that if you belong to a church family that majors on the gospel and teaches faithfully from the Bible, they will agree that these things are at the top of the list of things you ought to be striving to do, okay? And this morning, as we get into the last measure, while it is the last measure on the list, that's not because it's last in importance. Each of these measures we've established uh, week after week are non-negotiables, Uh, They're absolute. No Christian gets to wiggle out of them due to extenuating circumstances. However, with the the one we're going to cover today, I think it is a bit, um, it's a bit more critical, maybe you could say, because if we miss this one, we miss everything. (laughs) If we miss this one, we miss everything. No matter how well we may try to do the first five, if we never get around to number six, then it's really all for naught, right? The final missional measure is living a sent life of making more disciples. And I'm fairly certain that if you've been in church a little while, especially this church, you've heard this uh, therefore many times. It comes from Matthew 28, and it is the Great Commission. It's a portion of the final words that Jesus speaks to his disciples just before his ascension. So let's go ahead and let's read it. We'll pray and we'll discuss how uh, we should understand it and apply it to our lives. So let's read Matthew 28. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 16. I think I only cited, you know, 18 through 20. I'll start at 16. It says, uh, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. 
And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Father, we thank you for another Sunday morning together as the Hub City Church, coming together in unity as brothers and sisters in Christ under the banner of the gospel to sing our praises to you and to sit under your word and worship. God, I know that this morning is likely uh, going to be a morning filled with familiar verses and familiar exhortations, but I pray that maybe by your spirit that it would strike our hearts afresh, that we would have a renewed urgency in us to live our lives as disciples who know that they have been sent by you to make more disciples. Or it would be so easy or simple to just nail all of these other measures from this series and feel pretty good about ourselves. But I pray that this family of believers would not be content with that. That you would give us a holy discontentment with the status quo of American Christianity and that we might increasingly become an evangelistic church who takes the scripture seriously about being a royal priesthood who has been charged to proclaim the excellencies of Christ to the world around us now that we have been brought out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Father, <clears throat> no single sermon can make this happen. We need your spirit to convict our hearts and change us where we need to change, grow us where we need to grow for this to become more of a reality. So God help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, uh, I love uh, this little anecdote told by uh, missional guru Francis Chan. Maybe you've heard it. He once said that as kids, you know, while we all played that game, uh, Simon Says, and we understood that if Simon said, pat your head, you know, you would pat your head. And uh, if, he, if he said, stand on one foot, then you'd stand on one foot because Simon said it, right? But Chan went on to say that the church has a weird rendition of that game called Jesus Says, where when Jesus tells us to do something, we don't think we have to do it. We just think we have to study it and memorize it, right? Uh, and then he, he ties it in you know, to this idea in Matthew 28 about making disciples, and he, he poses the question, how many people in our churches are really making disciples, right? He says, but they memorized it. <laughs> he finishes this pointed observation by saying, <clears throat> he says, if I, if I tell my daughter, go clean your room, she doesn't come back after two hours and say, hey, dad, memorize what you said. <laughs> you said, go clean your room. <laughs> I can even say it in Greek. And now some friends are going to come over and we're going to have a study about what it would look like if I cleaned my room, right? <laughs> His point, he says it much better than me, but his point is not hard to see, is it? Our kids know better than that, and so do we. None of us who are Christians really believe that when we stand before Jesus in the judgment, that what he is expecting 
is that we simply did a good job remembering the things that he said with no actual attempt to actually do them. That would be absurd, right? So when it comes to things Jesus told us to do, as we already established, the command uh, in Matthew 28 to go and make more disciples is central. It's central. If we join a community group and we serve on a team and we give our tithe and we try to grow in our understanding of our faith and we love our families, uh, we'll look pretty polished. We'll look like pretty good church people, right? But if we never figure out what it means for us to be striving to make disciples, none of that's going to matter on the last day. Like if we do everything that a follower of Jesus would do, except actually ever tell anyone else about Jesus and what he's done and try to lead them to trust him, then something's wrong. A while back, I said it was like someone who loves the idea of fishing. So they wear Guy Harvey t-shirts every day, and they have a bumper sticker on their truck that says, I'd rather be fishing, right? And you know, they even buy a boat and some gear, and then you ask them you know, where they like to go and fish. And they say, eh, I don't really. <laughs> so it would be with a Christian who acted aloof and indifferent to the principle of disciple-making. That said, the overarching point I want to draw from Matthew 28 this morning is this. The gospel is not only the message of Christ as loving Savior, but also as sovereign Lord. Those whom he saves, he also sins. Those whom he saves, he also sins. Now, uh, please don't mishear me. I'm not pitting you know, Savior and Lord against each other or implying that you know, us being in awe of our Savior is less important than being in submission to our Lord. Jesus is both. He's both. I'm just saying it's important that we don't stop short of the full portrait of who Jesus is. Yes, Jesus came to live the perfect life that we never could so that he could then credit his righteousness to our accounts. He did do that. Yes, Jesus died a brutal death on a Roman cross in order to absorb the punishment that our sin deserved so that we would not have to endure the wrath of God in hell. Yes, Jesus rose again in order to show that he is the son of God and to offer us the gift of eternal life by faith alone in his grace. Yes, and amen, that's the gospel. But after he did all of that amazing work to save us, he said... All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples. Think about it. It it could have been over right there, right? I mean, he, he has all authority on heaven and earth. He could have done whatever he wanted. Could have been like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory where he burst through the roof in the glass elevator, right? Takes all the disciples with him to heaven. That was supposed to be funny, but you guys did not think it was funny. <laughs> My wife always tells me I'm not, I'm not good at that. Anyway, 
But with his divine authority as sovereign Lord, Jesus does not take us straight to heaven the moment that we believe. He tells us first to go and to take his message, the good news of reconciliation with God to the whole world so that more and more and more and more and more and more people from every tribe and tongue will be restored and redeemed like we have. Those whom Jesus saves, and he does save. Oh, what a savior is our wonderful Jesus. But those whom he saves, he also sins. Listen to what John records in his gospel account in John chapter 20. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were uh, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And then we see in Acts chapter 1, he says again, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, while there are some things, some passages in the Bible that take a, a great deal of hermeneutic skill and time to wrestle with and, and decipher the meaning of, this is not one of them. The Great Commission has been made crystal clear. Jesus has not just saved us to sit. He has saved us to send us out on this self-replicating mission of bringing more people into his church under his kingship as his disciples or his witnesses, as he calls us in Acts chapter 1. So let's drill down into that term, uh, witnesses, because it, while it's not, it's not complicated, we do need to pay close attention uh, to what he says here and understand who his witnesses really are. You know, some people might look at that verse and say, well, I never physically witnessed Jesus, so I must not be who he's talking about here. Maybe I'm off the hook on this disciple-making thing. But the first thing he says is that the Holy Spirit will come upon us and then we'll be his witnesses. So the second point I want to make this morning is that being a witness of the external word and the internal work of Jesus is both the qualification and the motivation for the going that he expects of his disciples. Now, I know that's a little lengthy, so let's break that up. First of all, we are witnesses of the external written word of God, which we believe to be divinely inspired or God-breathed, uh, as it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and thus it is inerrant, which means uh, it has been preserved for us without error. So it's a, it's a trustworthy record of the incarnation, the ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. While we were not there in the first century, the Bible is as accurate and reliable of a historical document from that time period as exists. That's true. 
And so in that sense, when we read the Gospels, we are witnesses of what took place and what was said by Jesus, the Christ, as is recorded by his apostles. That is, those who knew and and walked with him most closely in the flesh. This is the external word. And while we're not firsthand eyewitnesses, we're still witnesses of the most critical things that God wanted preserved for us to know. But while the external word does not allow us to be firsthand witnesses, the internal work of Jesus does. Because just as his Holy Spirit came upon the first disciples, so he still does with all disciples at their conversion. At our new birth, God pours out his Holy Spirit into our hearts, as it were. And we become first-hand witnesses to the empowering work of grace that Jesus does in those whom he saves. We're still us, right? But we become new. Our old desires begin to die. We have New, redeemed attitudes, actions, and aspirations that all flow in this Godward direction. And this transformation into witnesses of the word and work of Christ is what becomes both our qualification and our motivation for the going that Jesus expects of us. Before being filled with the Holy Spirit and we were still dead in our trespasses and sins, there was no way... There was no way we could be trusted with this mission. But now that we're forgiven, and now that we're filled with and gifted by the spirit of the living God who is dwelling within us, that's what makes us ready to go. That's what makes us ready to be sent. We're equipped by the Holy Spirit. He's convicting us of sin. He's leading us into all truth. He's imparting to us the very mind of Christ. He's giving us the words that we need in the moments when we really need them. He is wooing the hearts of men and women prior to our even meeting them. So that when we get to them, they're primed and ready to hear the gospel, right? And it's, it's not just that we're now able to go, it's our qualification, but the work of the Spirit in us causes us to want to go for Jesus. That is our, our motivation, too. Famous Bible commentator John Stott said, why do we desire the spread of the gospel throughout the world? Not out of a simple imperialism or triumphalism, whether for ourselves or the church or even Christianity, nor just because evangelism is part of our Christian obedience, though it is, not, nor primarily to make other people happy, though it does, but especially because the glory of God and of Christ is at stake. God is king, has inaugurated his saving reign through Christ, and has a right to rule in the lives of his creatures. Our ambition, then, is to seek first his kingdom, to cherish and passionately desire that his name should receive from men the honor to which it's due. He's saying when we are born again, we begin to want to do the will of our Father. We want to see Christ magnified 
through our lives. We want our King, Jesus, to receive all the glory and the praise that he deserves from all the people who he is calling to himself. The other day I was um, taking my Christmas lights down a little bit uh, after the new year. And uh, anyway, moving right along, I I called my youngest daughter, uh, Piper, who's four, to come and to help me. I was getting the lights off the roof, but I asked her to go and put all the little clips into a Ziploc bag for me. Not exactly what I uh, would call an exciting job, maybe why I delegated it, but uh, let me tell you, she was so excited that I had something that she could do to help me. She said, yeah, Dad, I can do that. And she ran off. <laughs> but she had to come back because she was so excited to help, she realized she had not actually heard what I needed <laughs> from her. <laughs> one, once we got the Ziploc bag figured out, she went and she did the job, man, with more joy than I think anyone else would have done it. All because it was me who asked her, right? This is the kind of motivation that the Spirit gives to us. We should be excited to go and to make disciples because our Savior and Lord has asked for our help. (laughs) I didn't really need Piper's help. And Jesus doesn't really need ours. But he wants it. He wants it. He wants us to be part of the redemptive work that he is doing. If we claim to love him, how can we turn that down? How can we turn that down? What a privilege that is. We should be as excited as Piper. Now, maybe you're with me on all that so far, and you're like, of course, I want to do the work that Jesus has for me to do, but maybe like Piper, you need a little extra help on what that actually looks like. Well, here's what we see in the text. Discipleship involves telling and teaching. Telling others the truth about who Jesus is, and for those who believe, teaching them how to obey his commands, right? It's actually very simple, like a Ziploc, right? He says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in Scripture, we see that baptism is something that people are told to do upon repentance and profession of faith. We are Baptists. That's an important distinction for us. We believe that's when people should be baptized, when they've repented and professed faith in Christ. And we also know that faith comes by hearing, right? So we can logically deduce that the first piece of discipleship is evangelism or telling people who Jesus is and what he's done. This should be obvious, (laughs) but... We have to tell people the explicit gospel, the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and how it is the answer to our human problem of sin and brokenness. And we see from Jesus' instruction to the 72 disciples in Luke chapter 10, he gives them instruction for what to do 
if people believe and what to do if people don't believe, right? Which means Jesus has not called us to be overly charismatic, charming master salesmen. That's not the call. He's just called us to tell people the truth and then allow the spirit to take it from there. If they don't believe, well, that's obviously not what we want for them. We're free to move on, at least in that moment. Maybe depending on our relational proximity, we'll get more chances and they'll eventually come around. But for those who do believe, he says, we are to baptize them and then begin the process of teaching them, instructing them in all that Jesus has taught. And if that sounds daunting, listen, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. First of all, discipleship is a It's a family process, right? It's not just you doing it. But on your part, you can literally just read the Bible with them. Wow. Talk about what it means. How to apply what you're reading. Pick a gospel. Pick Ephesians. Pick something basic and clear from the New Testament and just go with it, man. Or... If you want a framework for the, maybe the, you know, you're like more structured and you're like, I need to know exactly the steps, you know, of the content, what you should teach a new follower of Jesus. Why not consider this one? Believe, abide, obey, commit, serve, give, engage, lead, live. These nine aspects of our vision statement are not just church jargon, These are not just pastor speak. They are supposed to help you see the simple path of discipleship, right? If you spent six months walking with a new believer through those nine things with the scripture references that we've backed them up with, depending on commitment level, you could wind up with a pretty well-rounded disciple because the call to teach people to obey Jesus does not require you to be a seminary professor. It doesn't. It just requires you to be following and obeying Jesus yourself. <laughs> and if you're thinking, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I haven't been following Jesus that long. Should I really be trying to help others? If you know the gospel and you know how to read your Bible, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. You may need to let a friend who's a little older in the faith help you form a plan. That's okay. And maybe be there in case you get stumped. We all get stumped sometimes. If you commit to disciple someone, they may ask a question you don't have the answer for yet. You can say, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. Next week, I'll come back with the answer, right? You can, you can do that. That's okay. So what's stopping you? What's stopping you? What's stopping you from sharing the gospel with a coworker? What's stopping you from inviting them to church and walking with them through the gospel of, of Luke over coffee for an hour a week? Jesus doesn't say, go therefore, and after you've been a Christian for about five years, then you can start trying to make some disciples. I didn't see all that in there. <laughs> no, he says, go, go. Once you have the spirit, you're a witness for me, he says. If you're a disciple, you're called to be a disciple maker. 
I'm not saying you've only been a Christian for a year, you should have a church leadership role or something like that because scripture does put qualifications on these things, right? We shouldn't be putting people into positions that they're not ready for. I'm saying that there are not a bunch of prerequisite classes that you need to take before you start being obedient to the Great Commission. You don't have to be a pastor or a ministry leader to share the gospel and start helping someone else follow Jesus. In fact, there are some people who only you are uniquely wired and situated to reach. At this juncture of life, they may not be willing to hear the gospel from your pastor, but they're willing to hear it from you because of the relational equity that you have built with them, right? So, Jesus does not just save us, he sends us. Who does he send? All Christians. To do what exactly? To tell them who he is and to teach them what he commands. And last, let's talk about the where and the how of our going. From the different texts that we've read this morning, we see that while some are specifically called to go on mission to the end of the earth, living a sent life is recognizing that we are to make disciples as we go, wherever we go, okay? A lot of times, I think, when we hear the word missions, we immediately think global, all right? We think about signing up and raising money to go and fly somewhere across the world. And to that, I say, yes, yes, that is part of our mission. We're part of a denomination with the biggest global mission sending agency that exists, a portion of our mission's budget as a church is given to that great end. And it's possible that some of you may be called to that, to uproot your life here and to go to the ends of the earth and tell people the gospel who have never heard the name of Jesus. That's a thing. People do that. It's a great need. While many places in the world have been reached with the gospel, there are still some hard-to-reach places that need more missionaries who are willing to be sent. That said, while we typically use that word missionary for those who go across the world, the truth is all who are baptized into Christ come up out of the baptismal waters as new missionaries. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5 calls us ambassadors for Christ who now view everyone who we come into contact with through the lens of the gospel. We should see every single person as someone who might need to know about the possibility of reconciliation with God through the atoning death of Christ on the cross. We're all on the same mission. We're all on the same mission, whether we've realized it before now or not. And if we're not called to get on a plane and move our lives to Southeast Asia, that doesn't mean that there are no missional objectives for us here. There are. There are. They're in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your own family, perhaps, in your friend group. There are people who the Lord has given you. Yes, I'm talking about you. The Lord has given you special proximity to them so that you might strike up a gospel conversation. Man, it's, it's as simple as just saying something like, hey, I, I know you know I'm a Christian, but do you mind me asking what you believe? 
Would you mind if I told you a little bit about what I believe about Jesus and what he's done in my life? And then if they say yes, you share the gospel. You share the gospel. It doesn't have to be clever. It just has to be faithful. As a side note, if you want to learn to share the gospel more clearly, if you're thinking, man, I, I want to do that. That sounds great. I'm, I'm just not fully sure. You know, I, I need some training on that. We're planning on doing some equipping on that a little bit later this year. So um, keep looking out for that. We want to make sure that everyone within our church body is clear on the main pieces of the gospel so they can share it when the opportunity comes. But anyway, this is what it means to live a sent life, to realize that whether you're going to the ends of the earth or the other end of the office or the end of your street, you're a missionary who's been given direct orders from Christ himself. Wherever we go, as we go, the orders are clear. Make disciples. Tell them who Jesus is. Teach them what it means to live a new life of faith in him. Friends, I'm just going to tell you the truth. Um, The statistics show that there are very few American churches that are really doing this. That's just the truth, right? Most of the church growth that's happening in the U.S. is what they call transfer growth, and uh, so about, about 95% actually of church growth in the U.S. is just people who are already Christians going from church to church, and then those churches counting that as growth. Um, that's, that's what it is. And, and please, don't get me wrong. When we grow from transfer growth, we should praise God. We praise God for that. A lot of times it's from the military presence in this area. So, you know, families are moving in, they're finding us, and they're getting plugged in. There are other, other really valid reasons why transfer growth does happen, and that's, we're grateful for that. It's a blessing from the Lord. We, we love that. However, we don't want to confuse that with being missional. Does that make sense? We want to be a church that's striving to grow, not just from church transfers. We want to see the kingdom of God grow. Where there are new men and women going from death to life. That's the kind of growth we really, really long to see. We want to be a church who's faithfully living since. I think one of the most amazing testimonies of this in Scripture is the Thessalonian church. So listen to what Paul, the Apostle Paul, says to them in 1 Thessalonians 1. He says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, get verse 7 and 8, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. Isn't that incredible? 
Paul was one of the first Christian missionaries who traveled around taking the gospel to the end of the earth. And he's telling the Thessalonian Christians that when he goes around in their region, almost everyone he comes into contact with has already heard the gospel because of the Thessalonian church's witness. Hub City family, wouldn't that be an amazing thing to hear? We should desire that as a testimony about us in the Hub City. That as a church body, that, that we would make Crestview, Florida a really hard place to go to hell from. Because we're just telling as many people as we can about the good news of God's grace in Jesus Christ. This is why we have that tube in the back of the sanctuary back there, the, the evangel tube as it's affectionately been called. The phrase is come and see, go and tell on the, on the sides back there. In case you didn't know or you've forgotten, uh, our five-year goal is to be sharing the gospel a thousand times a year as a church family. Last year was our first year tracking that, and we got to 360. That's almost one gospel share or church invite per day for the whole year. That's awesome. That's awesome for the first year, 2023. And so every time you share the gospel or invite someone to church to hear the gospel, we would ask that you just throw in a green ping pong ball. Even my kids are doing this. They're like taking the invite cards to church and inviting their friends to, to church, right? We just want to be tracking our evangelistic efforts together, our disciple-making efforts as a church. Because guys, like we said at the start, if we do all the other things, biblical community, serving our church family, giving generously, growing in biblical knowledge, those are great things. Those are good things, right? But if we do all of that and we don't ever become a church that's really, in our individual and collective lives, living sent, we might look good, but we failed, right? If we don't actually do the work of the Great Commission together, then everything else is really in vain. And so my final closing point is this. The Hub City Church desires to cultivate a culture with the firm conviction that the main objective of every true disciple is to make more disciples. So will you commit to that today? If you haven't committed already or you have committed already, will you commit afresh to that? I'm not asking you to make an unrealistic commitment to becoming the next Billy Graham. Maybe someone in here is, I don't know, but maybe just make the commitment to share the gospel 10 times in 2024. That's a little less than once a month. Or maybe you commit to finding one person who you are really gonna aim to disciple this year. Start a discipleship relationship. I can't really give a blanket rule that everyone should follow because not everyone's in the same place. Some of us should definitely be sharing the gospel more than 10 times a year. Some of us just need to take the risk to share the gospel with somebody for the first time. Right? Some of us need to, you know, form one discipleship relationship. Some of us, maybe we need to be leading a community group in six months, right? But wherever you are, Will you make the commitment today that as a disciple of Jesus, you're going to learn to be and grow into being 
a disciple maker. Will you? Will you make that commitment? Because Jesus says. <laughs> Jesus says. And when Jesus says, we're not just supposed to memorize it, study it. We're supposed to do it. We're supposed to do it. That's what the New Testament church did. It says in Acts 6, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. May that be increasingly true of us. Let's pray. Father, God, we thank you once again for this morning. And God, I'm always so grateful for just the clarity of the things in your word that we need to be clear. God, you have not made it a mystery. You've not made it a head scratcher, what we're supposed to be spending our time doing. God, you, through all these various therefores in the New Testament, you've made it laser clear what our priorities should be, what our non-negotiables should be, what our gospel absolutes should be. And so, Father, as we close out this sermon series today, Father, I pray that, that you're doing work in us. God, you're doing work in me and all these things. Even as someone who strives to do these things, God, there's always room for growth in them. And so I just pray, Father, that we would work to be doing these things by grace-driven effort and that we would not leave off number six. That we would not leave off the fact that you have called us to live sent, to live lives where we're looking to make more disciples. God, if we, if we don't do that, then we've, we've missed the target. We don't want to miss the target. We want to do what you've called us to do. So help us, God. Help us to be disciples who make disciples. For our joy, for their joy, and God, for your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen.